This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Want to know another Snapple fact? The first hot air balloon passengers were a sheep, a duck, and a rooster. Ridiculous. Check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavored Snapple near you. The First Lady of New York Radio, Joan Hamburg. Entertaining and informative. Talk Radio 77 WABC. I love talking to Seth Meyers and... You know, he's an award-winning writer. He's a comedian, late night with Seth Meyers. He was out of school just a handful of years, so sort of eat your heart out when he landed a job for Saturday Night Live. Like, how did that happen? But it happened, and he never looked back. And now Seth has a best-selling book called I'm Not Scared, You're Scared, with wonderful illustrations. And it's the story of a bear, a great big bear, who is scared of almost everything. And his best friend, a little bunny, is scared of nothing. And this book explains to you how the scaredy cat rose to the occasion when he had to. So congratulations, a best-selling book. Were you scared when you were a kid? I was scared. I was scared of a great many things. And I think I was very lucky to have parents who were the right kind of parents to raise a scared kid. They didn't necessarily tell me to just get over it. They were good listeners. They helped me work through my fears. Because I think ultimately with your kids, what I'm finding now is you can tell them all you want that something's not actually scary. Ultimately, they have to come to that decision on their own. So uh, you just go on that journey with them. And scared as a kid is one thing, scared as a grown-up. I mean, we have terrible things in the world that scare us, but it's also very scary being a comic and trying to go out there and making people laugh. How did you deal with that? Did that phase you, or you just felt you could go ahead and do it when you started? When I was a young comedian, I mean, that was the hardest part was just getting over that initial fear of of being able to walk out on stage in front of people. Back in, I remember in high school, I really wanted to do school plays, but I could not even bring myself to audition for them. I was just too terrified by it. And it wasn't until I found my way into college and, and I saw an improv troupe. And that made me think, oh, thinking fast on my feet might be a thing that I could thrive at. And so that was my sort of gateway into being on stage was doing improv comedy and then very slowly working my way, obviously through the many hurdles after that. But yeah, stage fright, you know, I know it's a fear that a lot of people have. And and I think most performers had it at one point too. And I still get a little bit of anxiety before I go out on stage. Um, And to some degree, I think anxiety is is a helpful companion at times because it, it helps you sort of focus in on the task at hand. And I think that's helpful. But even as a writer, the big job that you got when you were only, what, five, six years out of college? Yeah. Saturday Night Live. was that Now, that was probably collaborative, right? Was that a group activity at that time? No. The way SNL works is you sort of, you can collaborate with maybe one or two other people, but you're sort of on your own. They give you a computer in an office and... You know, when you start, you share your office with a couple of people. I was lucky enough that our sense of humor lined up, but other people weren't. And 
you just sit there and look at a blank piece of paper and think, what am I going to write this week for a show that I've watched since I was a kid? And I'm going to have it read by movie stars that I've known my whole life and, and hope that it goes well in front of the comedians I most respect in the world. It was a daunting task. And, and you know, I think having lived through that period of professional anxiety makes everything after that a little bit easier to bear because that was the scariest it ever was. But as a grown-up with all of us, with a lot of issues, but how did you deal with the pandemic? And did your kids think about it or were they too young? They were mercifully too young. I think they had their own challenges insofar as they were out of school, obviously, like everyone else's kids. But, you know, they were when it started four and two. So it wasn't a fear so much for them as it was for us. But the silver lining was we got to be together more than we would have been had I been doing the show in the studio. And so for basically a full year, I was doing the show out of the studio to some degree and getting to spend more time with my kids. So it was a, it was a trippy time. It was a creatively exhilarating time. You know, you do a show in a studio and the longer you do it in the studio, um, there are things you just start taking for granted. And all of a sudden I was doing it in an attic and having to figure out how to do lights and sound and makeup and, and everything that I had just turned over to skilled professionals, (laughs) but it was, you know, the kind of challenge you don't expect to get that late in your career. And I came out the other side of it and I think the show's better. And I also think I appreciate the people I work with more than I ever have. And I think I appreciated them a lot beforehand, but now more than ever. You get it. And it seems to me, even watching it now, maybe this is just because of our times that the relationship with the audience changes a little. It does. yeah. So tell me what that was like when you first came back and there were these adoring people, you know, loving you, laughing, clapping, making you feel like, hey, this is me. I can do this. Well, you know, the stripped down version of the show where you're alone in an attic and you're doing the show into an iPad and then you realize a lot of people are just watching the show on an iPad. And so by removing the studio audience, I felt closer to the audience than I ever had before. And so I was a little worried, to be honest, about going back into the studio and being in front of 180 audience members every night. But it was really emotional the first night they came back, because when I walked out, I felt from them not just that they were an audience, but that they were the audience that had been watching me at home. And it wasn't that. I'd been away from them physically. I'd been away from them for two years, but uh, they'd been with me and I'd been with them. And so that closeness has continued uh, as we as we've started doing the show with with a more, you know, normal routine again. Right. I'm talking to Seth Myers, and you see him, I hope, every night, an Emmy Award winning writer, comedian, late night with Seth Myers used to be the head writer on Saturday Night Live. A brand new children's book, I'm Not Scared, You're Scared. Did your kids 
get upset because you thought they were scared or did they feel relief with the book? I don't know if they thought either of those. They mostly were just really happy that they were mentioned in the dedications at the end. Uh, I think they're happiest to show their names in print to their friends. They were really helpful through the whole process. Like, you know, was so much of why I wanted to write a children's book is because we read so many children's books. And I certainly didn't want to write the kind of book that my kids would put at the bottom of the pile. So the whole process before I even put pen to paper was telling them the story at night as a bedtime story first. And then it was so much fun to show them uh, the art as it came in from um, Rob Sag Jr., our incredible illustrator. And they've been a part of the process the whole time. And, and they definitely feel, I think they talk about the book as though they had also co-authored it. And I just want to make it very clear on the show, Joan, they did yes. not. I did all the work. They were just there. Okay. They were, they were in the room, but all the good ideas came from me. I certainly hope so. Seth Meyers, <laughs> I'm not scared. You're scared. And when I read this really charming children's book, what a time. I mean, we have kids watching a war on television yeah. or seeing things. So I think about fear a lot because I feel scared. And I wonder how children do with it. What do you think? Is this having an impact on all these kids? I think it is. I think it obviously matters what age they are because, you know, the older kids get, they control their flow of information mm -hmm. probably at a younger age than we were able to. But the biggest job for parents, it strikes me, is to try to leave your own anxiety at the door when you come home. Uh, because I think kids ultimately are going to learn fear from the adults they have in their lives. And so while it's important to make sure your kids aren't living in a bubble, you don't want them to know what's going on in the world. At the same time, you want to make space to just be a family and to not let outside stresses color how you're living your life with each other. And being a writer and a comedian and all these things, the world has changed a lot. A funny, it seems to me, has changed. And yet I saw an old show that was brought back a revival that was a little tired, but I laughed throughout the entire show. And the person with me said, what was so funny? I said, all these familiar things, I don't care how t tired, how stale they are, it was such a relief to laugh and be able to make fun of ourselves. And yes. then I, right? Yeah, it is nice. I mean, it, it is um, a real credit to the comedy that's endured that it can still make you laugh. Right. I still remember Buddy Hackett in... The early days. I, you know what? It's so uh, my YouTube algorithm always suggests old Johnny Carson clips to me because over the years right. I've just gone back and looked. And uh, Buddy Hackett is so much fun to go back and watch Rodney Dangerfield and Carson. Oh my God, laugh out Bob Euchre. It's just so much fun. It's so it's also patient, which is also a really nice thing to look back on. Is how much air there was and how much they were enjoying each other and how the audience was waiting on their every word. It's, it, it brings me great comfort to watch those old clips. 
It does, and we wanted a laugh, which is why watching the Oscars the other night, which were a little boring until um, Will Smith broke the boredom cycle. Yes. And, right? I mean, that was the best part of the Oscars. And I wouldn't he... say it was the best part of the Oscars. <laughs> I would say it was the worst part of the Oscars, but it would. I would also argue, I would never argue that it wasn't boring it was it was certainly not boring but it was not good it was so unexpected because as the audience removed in front of a tv screen when that first happened we didn't know should is this a funny bit are we gonna yeah. laugh but so i mean we i didn't bet know. i bet until the moment it happened uh Chris Rock felt the same way. <laughs> you know, it must have, he must have been wondering if this was going to be a bit too. But you know what? He did good because he just carried on, ignoring yeah. the blip in a way, and just went right on. And I thought that was pretty good. I said to my writers, if I got slapped, we would cancel shows until July. <laughs> That's right. So and I, you have shrinks up the kazoo coming yeah. to explain what happened. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, really a crazy time what's appropriate and what's not and is there an answer do you punish a guy for like a mental lapse they couldn't get him out apparently of the room yes i mean i i i think that uh it was more than a mental lapse i don't quite know if they're if a, a what the punishment is, but I, uh-huh. yeah, I wouldn't write it off as just a mental lapse. There were a lot of, there were a lot of outs there in the, um, in the moment he he decided to get up in the moment he did the slap. Right. And a, and a lot of anger. And as, how do you really handle this? If you're a Chris Rock, was that the right thing to just step over it and go on? I think uh, it's it's almost unfair to ask what was the right thing because right, when you think about knows. how little time he had to think about it, um, I'm mostly just impressed that the speed in which he processed and recovered was uh, was just something to uh, something to observe. Right, and wh- when you think of the earlier comedians that we were talking about, there was a place for what some people would consider offensive. It just seemed better humored. It didn't seem angry. It was, we just thought it was funny. But can we do that today? I don't don't know if that would work today. I think we, I think we can. I think there's a lot. I think comedy is actually uh, an incredibly robust creative place right now. I think there are a lot of different voices in a way that there wasn't in the time we're talking about. You know, when we were talking about Johnny Carson, I do love those clips, but there was not um, a diversity of guests there that you see today. And so I think, yeah, it's great. We have new voices, new comedy voices. Comedy is a really great time, I actually think, to be a comedian. And I think that there's a little bit too much pearl clutching about what you can and can't say. Uh Um, You know, because I think that ultimately um, Chris Rock had every right to say that. And he wasn't the one that was at fault. I think we should all agree that people shouldn't get on stage and slap anyone. Exactly. Yeah. And so who knows what's going to happen. But your job of satirizing the news on a daily basis, practically, has that gotten harder and harder? Or um, it hasn't. It? It, you know, I, 
it, look, it's really cathartic to talk about the news for me. I think I'd be really depressed if I didn't have an outlet. And so I'm always thinking of it through the spectrum of how much worse it would be if I wasn't making jokes about it. And I'm hoping to provide that catharsis to the people that are listening as well. Um, certainly there are days where you wish you had any other job, but more often than not, I'm thrilled and, and feel very lucky and, and uh, want to take advantage of it and want to do it to the best of my ability. And I'm lucky to be surrounded by the people that make that possible. Right. I'm talking to Seth Meyers, a new book. I'm not scared. You're scared. But you do a lot, whether it's special Lobby Baby which was when one of your kids was born in the lobby of your apartment building, speaking of fear, and <laughs> you've, you've done all that. Do you ever, as I really thought about you when I watched a, this recent Broadway show, do you ever think about doing that to add that to the ledger? A Broadway show? Yeah, to write a show. I think... There's nothing I would ever rule out. The only tricky thing for me as we continue to have children and the job of father becomes the most important in my life is finding the time for other projects. But they're all they're all so exciting to me. And, you know, I'm so happy I found the time to write a children's book. I'm so happy I found the time to go do a stand-up special. But, you know, moving forward, the show takes a lot of my focus and obviously a lot of my time. And, and I want to make sure there's also ample, ample uh, time on the calendar to, to be just a dad, because that's be the best parent. of all the jobs. Right. And with a show like yours, do you get to rehearse it or no? So here's the thing. We don't anymore. We used to before the pandemic, because we used to tape our show later, but then during the pandemic, we moved all our deadlines up out of necessity because, you know, when everybody was working at home, we had to feed all these giant digital files back into the network. And so we got really good at doing the show a little bit earlier. And also during the pandemic, obviously, there was no way to rehearse anything because there was no audience to rehearse in front of. And now we're just kind of flying by the seat of our pants and it, we really enjoy it. We, I think we work a lot harder on the writing knowing that we don't have the benefit of a rehearsal. And for me, as a performer, it's more exciting to be doing it for the first time at the actual taping. So that's one of the changes of the pandemic that we think has made the show a little bit more exciting. Yeah, well, it's a great show to watch. I got a big kick out of reading the book. Don't forget Seth Meyers. I'm not scared. You're scared with wonderful illustrations. Congratulations. I look forward to talking to you again. I'm really hoping the next time's in person. Will you invite me to one of your in-person tapings? I will, without question. Okay, good. I look forward right. to I look it. Forward Say to hello it. to everyone, right. and we'll talk again. All I'm right. Joan Thank Hamburg. you, Joan. Thank you, Seth. I'm Joan Hamburg, and you're listening to WABC, so there's lots more to come. Stay tuned.